The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my new friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The Michael King Show. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a 2A nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. Thanks for coming in and being part of it with us uh, today on this beautiful, beautiful, I mean, it got, it got warm again. <laughs> just like <laughs> yesterday, three degrees, now it's 20. I just, you know, oof, man, it's like I might lay a yo-yo. My head just gets whipped around all the time. We're ready to jump into it today. Uh, Firearms Friday is that one day a week that we dedicate to the Second Amendment and uh, where we talk about gun rights and gun laws and everything else that's happening around the country uh, in regards to those things. And we welcome you to the program today. We hope you'll stick around with us and hang out and uh, and get, uh, you know, and 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 get some get some education, get some edge and get get some education here on the program for today. Uh, As far as guests go, uh, in Hour 2 this morning, we'll be touching base with uh, Top Shot Chris Chang, who is going to talk with us a bit today about the departure of Wayne LaPierre as the Executive Vice President of the NRA. I don't know if if all of you heard that, but uh, Wayne LaPierre is now uh, going to be stepping down. Uh, He will be on the 31st of January will be his final day, um, and there are some questions. Now, the big reason that, that a lot of people are uh, talking about with the resignation is that because he has uh, he is the focus of a lot of the, um, uh, of the trial uh, in New York City uh, over the uh, state of New York uh, and their legal battle with the NRA. Uh, and so he has stepped down now. But the question is, who's going to replace him? And there's been a couple names floated. And I know that uh, I know that uh, uh, Chris is going to want to talk about some of that, including the discussion uh, about whether former NRA Institute of Legislative Action Deputy Executive Director and General Counsel Wade Callender uh, is one of those options. And so we'll see what... Um, um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Calendar was involved, by the way, in Bruin uh, in the Supreme Court case, and he helped coordinate the state of Texas's uh, uh, NRA, ILA uh, branches participation in that. So it should be <clears throat> it should be an interesting discussion to see what's going on there. Uh, and we'll we'll see where uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, so Chris Chang will be joining us in hour two, and then as always, we'll be finishing up the show with uh, Willie Waffle um, to discuss the entertainment news 
and everything else there at the end because that's how we like to finish up the show. We just like to, a little bit lighter side, a little bit of a lighter note as we continue to, uh, as we continue to do that. So we will have some conversations uh, here this morning about some of these issues and some of these uh, topics as well. Uh, I'm looking at some of the headlines including um, discussions about the Fourth Circuit, about the California, the Ninth Circuit, uh, J.D. Tuchilli from Reason Magazine, who's going to be on the program on Monday <clears throat> to talk with us about uh, the push across the country now for the legalization of uh, and medical use of psychedelics and psychotropics to treat PTSD. Uh, but he has written an article that came out uh, this morning uh, talking about what the uh, war in Ukraine with Russia has taught us about the value of private gun ownership, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, it's kind of an interesting look. So we'll talk about that. Also, um, Jacob Selim from Reasons got a new article out about Gavin Newsom uh, Gavin Newsom in California, and uh, what he's trying to do to get around the Bruin ruling and everything else. There's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about as well. Oh, and the <clears throat> and the attack on Lake City, uh, which, uh, you know, again, is just another classic case of if you can't ban the actual item, you go after the components that make the item useful, which it means in this case... Uh, if you're talking about firearms, then the ammunition is uh, one. And we've seen this before. We've seen this dance before, and we'll talk about that as well. But uh, first and foremost, I guess we should let you know that uh, phone lines are open this morning for uh, Q&A. It's uh, gun Q&A all day, meaning, um, you know, questions and answers. If you have, you know, one of the reasons and one of the things that we, one of the reasons we started Firearms Friday, we the royal we, was to try and demystify the firearm and try and answer questions and try and find people who, you know, were, were not pro-gun, but weren't necessarily anti-gun, um, but were looking for, you know, answers uh, and didn't want to wander into their local gun store and look foolish. And so we created uh, Firearms Friday to, number one, discuss and focus all of our firearms talk on a single day. And number two, to give uh, listeners the opportunity to ask questions that they may not ask, uh, you know, ask anonymously, ask questions instead of uh, feeling nobody likes to feel foolish. And sometimes when you're in a situation like that, where you're in a, a, a place where people are experts, you feel a little awkward about, uh, you know, not showing your ignorance, I guess, is what I'm saying on that. I, I just, <clears throat> I've, I, uh, uh, and I'm happy to help. That's what I want to do. I just want to help you answer questions, uh, again, demystify and normalize firearms ownership and uh, and ready ready to go. Just that's what it's all about today. So TGIFF, my friends, thank goodness it's Firearms Friday and we are ready to uh, we're ready to, to to do that thing. So phone lines are open. Um 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 we'd love to uh we'd love to hear from you this morning 
on any topic related to guns and firearms, any stories that you think that maybe I've missed. Um, I get a, I get a, I get a few emails, especially from folks who are members of the Common Sense Corps, which is our, uh, which is our cool kids club. It's our fan club, our show fan club, um, and they're constantly hitting me with articles from from authors that sometimes I don't, I don't see or I don't read or I don't even know about. And uh, so it's always nice to uh, to do that. So if you want to share a story with me this morning, let's uh, let's let's start up that conversation uh, on the phones at 907-433-3150. So uh, where do we want to start? How much time we got? OK, where do we want to start here? Um, let's start with uh, let's start with this this story uh, out of. Uh, out of Australia. Now, Australia is the favorite place for anti-gun groups to use as an example, right? I mean, you, you hear that all the time in the arguments about gun control. Oh, we should be like Australia. We should be like, we should do what Australia do, did because that, that really worked and it really helped. And, and they... They, they, I mean, just, they go on and on about how Australia, they wax poetic about how Australia was so perfect in their uh, ideas and their approach to firearms and firearm ownership and everything else. Um, they seem to ignore, of course, a lot of the they seem to ignore a lot of the downside uh, to that uh, and a lot of the uh, knock on effects and the unintended consequences of what happened from the firearms ban in Australia. But that. Again, don't let the facts get in your way, right? They think that they have it. Uh, they think that they have it down perfectly. But um, even in Australia, they are more than willing to freak out over anything that appears to or sort of sk skirts their preconceived notions of what should be acceptable, even if it's perfectly legal. Here is a piece uh, coming out of... Um, uh, coming out of the Sydney Morning Herald in uh, in uh, in Australia, talking about gun ownership. John Howard has joined gun control advocates and police to sound alarms at inconsistent firearms regulation that risk undermining restrictions on high-powered multi-shot weapons. Which I mean, I didn't realize that was even a description. High-powered multi-shot weapons. John Howard, the former prime minister who spearheaded efforts to tighten Australia's gun laws in the wake of the Port Arthur massacre, said the community would, quote, be very angry, unquote, if there were any weakening of firearms control. Now, I happen to know several people who live in Australia who are, well, they're, they're, they would very much not be angry. They would be very happy if there was a weakening. There is a very strong group of folks in, in uh, Australia who are fighting to have their gun rights restored. So, I'm, you know, again, this is the <clears throat> hyperbolic kind of uh, talking points that politicians love to throw out there. Gun safety advocates and the Australian Federal Police Association are demanding states urgently align their gun laws, pointing to major inconsistencies in the way some high-powered rapid-fire weapons are treated by state authority. I just love the high-powered multi-shot weapons. Now high-powered rapid-fire weapons were treated by state authorities. 
The Wedgetail MPR-308, a pump-action rifle, for example, is banned in New South Wales, Tasmania, uh, New South Wales, Tasmania. And the act, but can be bought by recreational and sporting shooters in every other state and territory. So it's illegal in three of the states, New South Wales, Tasmania, and the ACT, but it is available in other states. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to any of you out there? Gun Control Australia Vice President Roland Brown said it was crazy that such discrepancies exist between adjacent jurisdictions with such powerful, quick-fire firearms. The My God, the descriptors in this article are just my head is going to explode. We deplore those guns being in circulation in the general community, said Brown. They can kill or, enter, or injure many people quickly, and we're seeing governments around Australia allow them to circulate. We have no need for them in a civil society. Okay, so again, high-powered multi-shot weapons, high-powered rapid-fire weapons, powerful quick-fire weapons. These are all the descriptors of all these. Remember, this is a... <laughs> This is a pump-action rifle, okay? Um, they're nothing particularly new, and they're nothing even remotely like, uh, you know, an AR-15 or, or anything else. Instead, they were guns that were designed to meet the needs of shooters trying to abide and live within the existing law that Australia created. But here's the point of this whole deal. Not a single part of this report from this from the Sydney Herald or for any of the people that they talk to highlights or points to any crimes in Australia committed with such a firearm. Not not one. There's not one example. I mean, they're doing all this hand wringing. They're doing all this, uh, you know, angst and, and pearl clutching over a firearm that's never been used in any of these crimes. And to think that we should be copying what Australia is doing. But, you know, we do in this case, right? We see something happen and there's a mass shooting. I mean, this one that happened uh, most recently where the kid had a shotgun and a pistol, a small caliber pistol. And immediately it went to universal background checks and... Um, you know, high capacity magazine bans and assault weapons ban when none of those would have affected anything that had to do in that uh, in that situation. So maybe we're already at that point. Maybe we're at peak madness. You know, maybe that's what this is. This is just peak stupidity. Where again, we're going to, you know, uh, we're going to focus on things that would have no effect on what, you know, we're upset and spun up about something, but we're going to focus on things that would have had absolutely no effect on the things that we're spun up about. We're just using that outrage to focus on things that we believe will make a difference, even though statistically they're not going to make a difference. And you want to know how that, how we know that is, for example? Well, we're going to talk about the Colorado Democrats who are trying to force Congress to vote on a magazine ban. Remember, this is Colorado who they have their own ban. How's that working out for them? We'll we'll talk about that as well. Remember, phone lines are open 907-433-3150.
907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free thing at radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, hi, how are you? How's it going? How's it, uh, how's it going on? Uh, oh man, Justin says, good morning, Michael. I'm in Thailand. I just got married yesterday and I'm watching your show live on Facebook. Pretty off. Congratulations, Justin. Congratulations. And thanks for watching. We appreciate it. Um, uh, it, it just, we appreciate it. Um, Brian says, nope. Every time we think we've reached peak stupidity, Someone proves us wrong. That's true. That is true. I mean, we think we think we can't go any further down, and and then the next thing you know, here we are. Sorry, my mouth is still super sore. Spent four hours in a dentist chair on Tuesday with a broken tooth, and uh, still a little sensitive. Still a little sensitive. Um. That proved that I'm in the wrong business. Holy cow. <laughs> I just want to know, where can I get a thousand? I want to get paid a thousand dollars an hour. Where where can I go get paid a thousand dollars an hour? Um, ATF got spanked at the SCOTUS. Oregon 114 got smashed. It's a great day to be pro 2A. Uh, I hadn't heard about the Oregon 114 bill. Did that just did that just come out this morning? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm a little behind the power curve this week on some of the gun stories because I got I got way late on some stuff. Um, uh, I'm looking for. I'm just scrolling through some gun stories here to see if that I missed. That I didn't see anything on it specifically. Um, all right. Well, <clears throat> which Supreme Court? New Mexico Supreme Court. Okay. Uh, anyway. Jeannie, if you want to link me, oh, yesterday for Oregon. Uh, if you want to link me some stories on that, Jeannie, I'll try and we'll try and read them together here during the breaks, since I haven't I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the stories on that yet. What Dukes is sensitive? I'm a very sensitive person. Did you not know? I'm very sensitive. I'm 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 very sensitive. Um. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. They're trying to get rid of our protective guns. Yeah. I mean, they only want murder guns to be available out there to murderers. Protection guns? No, they don't want protection guns. They don't want any, only murder guns. That's the only thing that they want to have out there anymore because, I mean, the it, because apparently one more law is going to stop these people from doing bad stuff. 
If we just had one more law, get those protection guns out of the street, then obviously the murder guns will follow. They'll they'll go the they'll go away, and the murder guns will be it'll be all. Don't worry about it. Even though surveys are saying that you know, and and history is saying that's not really what's going to happen. But hey, you know, okay. Uh, good morning, uh, good morning, good morning, good morning, Rick, uh, Bill. I see my dad. I see up oh, there's dad. Uh, good morning, dad. Uh, he joins us every morning, uh, bright and early. Uh, which is crazy because if I didn't have to get up to do the show, I don't know if I'd get up this early in the morning to hang out with you guys. I am a kind of a morning guy. Uh, but remember for 15 years, I did this show in the evening. So sometimes it's still a little, sometimes it's still a little, uh, you know, jarring to realize, oh man, it's so bright and early this morning. I'm used to winding down the day with the show and I'm still, still getting used to it. Still getting used to it. Uh, dog barked in my ear about 1 a.m., scared the crap. I've had that happen where the dog is literally standing on the bed next to you and they're just got their face down next to your ear. You're asleep. And then they're like, woof. <laughs> almost, almost messed my dress on that one. That's for sure. Oh, coffee says Bill. That's what we need. All right. Um, my dog is snoring. Here we go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do this thing. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. Yep, 100% Assault Radio for some people. Some people are just, they they feel attacked by what we talk about here on the program. Oh, I feel attacked. I'm triggered. Well, you know, if you take that to a gunsmith, that gunsmith could fix that trigger. I'm just saying. I'm triggered. Um, all right, let's go over to the telephones. Uh, we got one call on hold this morning, gun Q&A all morning. Let's see who's there or what they want to talk about. And uh, before I get into this story about these Colorado uh, Congress people who are trying to push this uh, – uh, this uh, this vote in Congress. We'll talk about that that here in a second. But first, uh, let's uh, go over to the telephony. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Mike. I'm calling from Wasilla. Hello, Mike. I tell you what, you want to have some real fun with some gun control people. The best way of doing that is just say, hey, we're going to make it a requirement. They've got all these safety requirements. You know, you got airbags in cars. You got seat belts. You got to wear. Um, you got all these these safety things. Well, I think that packing a gun is a safety thing and just make it a requirement that everybody over the age of 18 has to take a gun safety course and then carry a gun if you step outside your house. You know, I'll bet that those mass shootings would go away really <laughs> fast if they knew that everybody was packing a gun. Wait, are of you saying now there's going to be some cleaning of the Are you saying are you saying there's that be some cleaning of the gene pool at first, but it would, it, it, after a while, you know, it, it, I mean, eating Tide uh, feeling that, that a Tide Pod is food, uh, 
maybe that gene pool needs to be cleaned out a little bit. <laughs> I'm just wondering what your thoughts well, are on so, this. Well, so you, you sound like you're quoting uh, Robert Heinlein's, you know, an armed society is a polite society. If everybody had a gun, then people would tread a little more lightly. And, you know, I mean, in a, in a theoretical, I mean, let's do a thought experiment on this. In a theoretical world, you're probably right. Now, would I advocate that you force people to carry a gun uh, beyond their wishes? No. Uh, also, because I think that there are some people out there who just do not have the um, – they don't have the disposition to carry a gun. Uh, there are some people out there who are angry, and if you put that kind of power in their hands, you're right. There would be probably a cleaning of the gene pool. Unfortunately, regular people would be hurt. But as a thought experiment overall, like a blanket – you know, uh, stereotypical thought experiment. Yeah, you're probably right. If everyone was armed equally, people would be a lot nicer. Um, but could you, first of all, could you make it happen? No. Second of all, would I want it to happen? No, because again, there are people out there, they just do not have the, um, they, they just do not have the, uh, uh, I'm not going to say proclivity, I'm going to say, uh, uh, anyway, they, they don't have the temperament. There we go. That was the word I was looking for. Temperament to carry a firearm. But it sure would. You know, this is this is my joking argument for years that I used to make talking about we should bring back dueling because then people would be a lot more polite. Right. I mean, if you could insult somebody and they could say, I challenge you to a duel at dawn and you're going to back up your words with actions that, you know, th that's the thing there. In, in many cases these days, there's just no consequences for the ways people act or react well it, I, I didn't say it would be you could get it through on the legal side and i didn't say that it was maybe the best idea i just i was looking at it from watching the gun control people go just crazy and you know just the entertainment value of it would be huge um i do agree with you somewhat but i i still think that it would be a way of uh, you know, when you walk into a bar and you see a guy standing there that's six foot six, he's got uh, biker tattoos all over him, he's wearing a Hell's Angels jacket. Do you walk up, pick a fight with him? Uh, no, even at my worst day, I don't do that. Right, um, right. So, you, you know, it, it, it's just even a crazy person it would understand that, you know what, everybody here's got a gun and maybe pulling my gun and start shooting is not a good idea. Right. Well, it would definitely slow down the opportunity. You know, like I said, I mean, what you're making is basically a very overblown argument about the gun-free zone aspect of things, right? Because again, 85, 90% of these uh, attacks, these mass shootings and things like that, they all take place in gun-free zones. And as Dr. Lott has pointed out, that's part of the problem. They know. I mean, they have manifestos and planning notes from these different shooters, and many of them mention specifically the fact that they're going to a gun-free zone because they won't be interrupted. Now, if there weren't gun-free zones and people knew that, uh, you know, the second that they pull their uh, pull their their gun out and start to and, and you know start to try and and shoot people that they're immediately going to be drawn down on by you know a half a dozen people then you're right maybe it would slow the roll of some of these people who are crazy enough to do that maybe not but it would yeah i mean i thinning out the gene pool i think you would you would be right that would only happen once or twice before people got the message of uh hey you just don't that that's just not a good idea um, and in an ideal world, I agree. I think I would think that anybody that would want to carry should be able to carry and anybody that uh, that uh, wants to be able to defend themselves should be able to do so. 
Um, but it, it, it's an interesting thought experiment, Mike, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's all it was. And, and like I said, the entertainment value. <laughs> Yeah, just to well, can you imagine the squirming of some of these people who are because again, I I I'm a fire I've been a firearm instructor and I've seen people who have had never had any exposure to firearms or their only exposure to firearms is through the news media, the talking heads and the entertainment industry. And I have seen people, I mean, I've seen a woman burst into tears when she was asked to pick up an empty, a visibly empty revolver off a table. I mean, like the gate is open, the cylinder's empty, it's just sitting there and we say, "Hey, just pick this up and hold it in your hand and we'll take and I've seen I've seen people just burst into tears over something like that. So to f- force all those people to have to carry a fire <laughs> it would yeah, I mean, I guess that would be a little bit of an entertainment value. I mean, would she hold her purse away from her as she walked? Would she hold her purse at arm's length as she walked down the street? You know what I mean? Like I don't want to have this thing anywhere near my body kind of stuff. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's an entertaining thought for sure. Well, I could add just one thing real quick. Uh, you know that it goes back to the safety issue. Um, you got if you don't want to carry a gun, fine. You can stay in your house, just like they use with if you don't want to get insurance. Uh, then you can walk. You know, you don't have to drive. That uh, you can use their own arguments against them in as much as the safety side. But I'm just saying that, it, like, like I say, it, it, nobody has ever proposed this in, that I'm aware of anywhere. I, and I, I think that it, it, it should be a debate that put this put out before the public. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting. Boy, I could see heads spinning already. I could see heads spinning already over something like this. It would definitely be uh, an interesting situation. All right, Mike. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's inter- interesting, entertaining. Thank you so much for calling in today. We appreciate it. That leaves no problem. Have a great day, Mike. You bet. That leaves uh, all the lines open right now. If you want to sound off at 907-433-3150, Again, uh, an armed society is a polite society. I fully agree with that sentiment. I fully agree that if more people, if, you know, if you walked around and people knew that a certain percentile, maybe not even, maybe not even what Mike is talking about. Mike's talking about making, forcing, enforcing, and and mandating that everybody, but even if it was just like there was universal concealed carry across the country and there were no gun-free zones, and any criminal who was about to do something bad knew that there was a, a chance Probably, uh, I mean, obviously a a greater than zero chance that somebody in the crowd is carrying a concealed firearm that might slow their roll a little bit. I mean, the the number of concealed carry in the various states around the country is something in the states that allow it is something upwards towards almost twenty percent. Some states it's higher. You know, Alaska is much higher in concealed carry, estimated concealed carry. Um, I mean, it could be, it could be many, as many as four in 10 are carrying concealed and you don't even know it. It definitely would make you, it would be, uh, make you pause if you were a bad actor trying to decide if you wanted to walk into this store. I mean, it's like the shooting in Texas, right? At the Taqueria that we talked about last weekend. Uh, you know, that the the guy walked into the and he watched the video. There's only about eight people in the in the restaurant. 
and uh, the robber gets gunned down by a uh, by a, a private citizen. Um, that you know that that you, you would have to think about that. What if it wasn't just one in eight? What if it was two in eight or four in eight that could possibly you know half the people could potentially be armed? Would you be confident walking into someplace like that? And 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 I, again, I think it would slow your roll considerably. I think it would slow your roll considerably on that. All right, I want to talk. <laughs> I just I don't have enough time now. Uh, well, then let me just point out that criminals are going to do bad things. Okay, I mean I I know that by God that sounds. You mean criminals are going to do bad things because we called them criminals? Like that's going to – and nothing's going to slow them down. Last week – was it last week or the week before that we talked about the uh, the carjackers uh, that had the ankle bracelets that were teenagers, like 12, 13, 14-year-old kids that were carjacking people. And uh, the, the kids that tried to rob the gun store that had ankle bracelets on, had ankle monitors on. Um, you know, again, showing that that's just not a deterrent. Well, we saw the same thing this week in Chicago. A 61-year-old woman suffered severe injuries after being assaulted on a Chicago L train, one of the elevated subway trains. Uh, now, the city of Chicago bans any weapon, firearm, pepper spray, stun gun, any kind of self-defense tool cannot be carried on public transit. And surveillance video shows the uh, the assailant, the assaulter, the thug, trying to steal an uptown woman's bag on a train uh, about 1.33 a.m. Uh, he soon launched into a violent attack, pinning her head on the seat and repeatedly punching her in the head and the stomach and then stomping on her body. She was found unresponsive when the train arrived at the station, and it has been since announced that she is on a ventilator and is brain dead. Investigators identified the attacker, sent a local bulletin to police districts, and they basically were able to capture him there shortly thereafter, the day after the attack. He, this, but this guy is an eight-time felon. Eight-time felon. Currently on parole for robbery. His last sentence was a six-year sentence for a 2021 robbery where his victim turned out to be an undercover Chicago police officer. But he was released from prison last August. For, it is a six-year sentence. Now, the, the way the story is written is, you know, he was cut loose from prison last August after serving just half of a six-year sentence for a 2021 robbery. How is that even possible? Last year would have been 2023. That's like two years of a six-year sentence. Not even two years. But he is an eight-time felon. Well, obviously being out on parole, obviously serving time in prison, obviously none of those things are rehabilitated. I mean, this just sounds like a guy that needs the lead pill. Right. You know what I mean? You just take him out back and you bury him under the jail because at that point, eight-time felon, stomp some old lady to death. Not even to death, just to brain death, which is even almost worse. You made her a vegetable. She didn't even, she didn't even have – it's just it's – just, it's horrific. But don't worry. That one more law – what if she'd been able to protect – what if she'd had some pepper spray? 
What if she'd had some mace? What if anybody else on the train saw uh, something and was able to intervene and use deadly force to intervene? I mean, just asking hypothetically, if we're doing thought experiments, eight-time felon. And then the story again last week about the kids with the ankle monitors. I mean, this is the madness that we're living in. This... This is the absolute madness of the day that we're living in. Peak stupidity. You know, every time Brian said it in the chat room earlier, every time we think we've reached it, something else pops up and we're surprised again. All right, we got to go. Hour one continues. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Chris Chang will be our guest in hour two. We'll be back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Yeah, I mean, I think you should just take that kind of guy right to the infirmary and give him the pill, the lead pill. Take that piece of manure to the train station. Yeah, I mean, exactly. For those of you who don't watch Yellowstone, you have no idea what we're talking about. I think it's time for him to take a trip to the train station. I mean, that is just... (laughs) Uh, You know, how do you expect this whole soft on crime thing and everything else? We want to blame everybody except for the people who are actually perpetrating the crimes? I mean, it's, it's insane. Absolutely insane. Um, Jeannie says criminals don't care about laws or people. No, they're sociopaths. They care only about their own needs, their own wants, their own desires. They don't care about anything else. Uh, Okay. What else is going on here? Um, Oh, I got this new article uh, that Jeannie sent me. Here we go. An Oregon judge has entered the final order striking down a gun control law that was narrowly approved by voters in 2022. Harney County Circuit Court Judge Robert Robert Rascio signed the general judgment on Monday. The judgment finalizes the opinion Rascio issued in November, finding that the law violated the right to bear arms under the Oregon Constitution. The law, one of the toughest in the nation, was among the first gun restrictions to be passed after a major U.S. Supreme Court ruling last year changed the guidance judges are expected to follow when considering Second Amendment cases. The law requires people to undergo a criminal background check and complete a gun safety training course to obtain a permit to buy a firearm. It also bans high-capacity magazines. Measure 114 has been tied up in state and federal court since it was approved by voters in November of 2022. The state trial stemmed from a lawsuit filed by gun owners claiming the law violated the right to bear arms under the state constitution. Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, one of the defendants in the case, vowed to appeal the ruling. Of course she did. Of course she vowed to appeal the ruling. (laughs) Because you can't. I mean, we're seeing that. We're going to talk about that in uh, uh, the next segment or the segment thereafter. Gavin Newsom, where he's just decided to ignore it. If we just ignore the Second Amendment, maybe it'll go away. Maybe. Maybe it'll just go away if we ignore it. 
Uh, yeah. Thank you, Jeannie, for uh, sharing that story with me. I appreciate that. Um, let's see. Spinard Justice. Uh, you have you have that T-shirt, Spinard Justice? Is that what you're talking about, Robert? Um, all these years and the Uncle Ted thing still makes me smile. <laughs> Uh, for all of those, did you just assume her gender? Maybe. Um, for all those who don't want to carry firearms, they should check out a Berna defense product. B-Y-R-N-A, Berna defense product. I don't know what that is. Berna defense, uh, Berna defense products. Okay, there we go. Uh, non-lethal guns. Less lethal pistols, to which I say, why bother? Uh, oh, it fires pepper rounds. I see. So it's basically a it's a paintball gun that shoots paintball pepper spray. You know, paintball paintballs full of pepper spray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, in some cases that would be the way to uh, that would be the way to help yourself. Uh, all right, we got a couple lines on hold. Let me go over. Thank you for that. I'll uh, I'll throw a link in the chat room to all the Burnup uh, products if people want to check that out. Copy link address and uh, let's do. There you go. People can go check that out. Uh, let me go over to the phones and see who's who. I got a couple lines on hold. We'll get some names and where they're calling from. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Morning, Mike. It's Fred in Rhode Island. I Hello, Frederick. You want to hold the line, my friend? I'll be right back to you. Fred in Rhode Island will be number one in the queue here. Oh, I don't even have to change it because it says right there. Let me go to the second call and see who's there, and we'll take their call after Fred's. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Larry in North Pole Fairbanks area. Oh, hey, Larry. Why don't you hold the line, and you'll be number two in the queue right after Fred, okay? So we'll be back. Uh, we'll be talking to Larry here in just a moment in Fairbanks. So we got uh, Fred in Rhode Island and Larry in Fairbanks. We're stacking them up right now, stacking them up, ready to go. Uh, okay. Uh, and then that was the, uh, there you go, Berna.com. That's the website for those things. The, <laughs> Bill, I can't even read your comment. <laughs> Oh, God. Hell, there, there's something wrong with you, man. There's just something wrong with you. Um, all right. Yeah, don't get into a gunfight with a pepperball gun, says Kyle on YouTube. Yeah, no, just saying. Probably not kind of a good deal. And at freezing temperatures, a paintball, they don't break. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right, here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? Does that mean that if we hurt your feelings, you should consider the Michael Dukes show assault radio? <laughs> okay, we can accept that. Here's Michael Dukes. Kind of a dick, but somewhat funny. Kind of a what? I, that just, man, I feel, I feel insulted. Uh, welcome back to the program. It is Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature. Phone lines are open. For gun Q&A all day, 
Uh, and Fred is calling uh, one of our farthest flung listeners, calling from the great state of Rhode Island. Uh, I, I don't know if he's behind enemy lines, if he feels like he's a pra- trapped as a prisoner in his own state or not. But uh, he's going to give us his thoughts this morning. Good morning, Fred. What's uh, what's happening, my friend? Oh yeah, we're definitely sitting behind the uh, sitting behind the barbed wire over here, behind enemy lines for sure in Rhode Island. It used to be a nice place until they turned it into the sewer of the East Coast. One of them. Anyway, make the long. The point I want to point I want to bring up. We had a uh, situation over here in the previous week over here in Rhode Island, which is kind of interesting. Kind of falls into the uh, category of what we're talking about. He had a, a a high school basketball game. Maybe maybe it's made the news. Maybe it didn't up in your end. They had a high school basketball team up in up, game up in uh, up in Providence, and in the middle of it, halftime, it turned into a brawl. I mean, it, an outright brawl amongst you know the usual and undesirables and the troublemakers and the you know the community. They got into a big brawl in the middle of the game, broke the whole game up. And at the end of it, at the end of the brawl, the police found a a inexpensive firearm. I guess it fell out of somebody's pocket, and they managed to confiscate that. And now they're trying to find out who it belonged to. So it was carried into the into the school, at the, to the game, and the, at the end of the brawl, you know, they it, it just fell out of somebody's pocket. Now, you know, there's this thing that's going on, and and it's not the firearm. It's, it's like anything else, it's not the tool to see individual. But there's this thing with the individuals today, this gangster mentality with these kids, this Al Capone gangster mentality, you know, and shoot them, shoot them up in the street for any, uh, anything that's going on. This is, this is a solution. Uh, tied in with drugs and tied in with all this garbage that's going on, all this, uh, you know, this gangster mentality. And this is pod. This is really, this is really churning up the, churning up the, churning up the stew. You know, as far as like where a lot of the problems are coming from. Right. And the idiots who in the government don't see that. They don't understand that. That that's where the problem begins. But they'll be more than happy to, you know, to condemn the Second Amendment. And, you know, destroy that and take away your rights. Then you and we all know that once the, once that goes, all the rest of the rights are going down the toilet with it. Right. And that that is the real thing from the globalist standpoint. This is, we're getting hit from like multiple sides. You're globalists on one end, the idiots and idiots who listen to this not this bleeding hot nonsense from the progressives and the uh, you know the rest of them, the rest of the fools, and they don't understand it. They they they, they can't put two and two together and see what the real problem is. As far as CCW goes, a you know, concealed carry, I think that's a great thing because. It would leave the criminals and the the, the, the do-batters with the whack-a-mole with a blindfold on as to who's carrying and who's not when they go out to do their dastardly deed. Right, you know, right, They have right. no idea who is and who isn't, but they won't have a chance. If, if, you know, if there's you know, someone next to them, they go out and try to you know, do something to someone or something against the law, and the person next to them carrying, they don't know, they don't know where it's going to come from. Right. So I think you got to think twice about, uh, you know, altering their, altering their, their dastardly behavior. You know, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get the wrong end of a bad situation. Right. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, this whole idea, and and you're ta- you're right about the gang mentality. Um, there've been a bunch of studies, and it's what uh, some of my favorite, uh, some of my favorite commentators calls fatherless behavior. Um, because a lot of these kids, you know, they become parts of these gangs. And, you know, at that point, it becomes all about um, 
um, in there because it's, you know, gang culture is kind of its own little world um, and it all becomes about respect. And the only, you know, you got to get your respect. And if, if you if somebody disrespects you or, you you know, you don't have enough, then the only way to get it seems to be to hurt somebody. And whether that's to beat down or to shoot or to kill somebody. It's 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 about street cred at that point. It's and and that's where a lot of these individual shootings that you're seeing across the country, that's where a lot of them are coming from, are from the gang culture and the gang mentality. There was a stat that we saw a few years ago that said something like eighty percent of the shootings uh that were, you know, uh, going on the gun violence where people were being shot, something like seventy-five or eighty percent of it was coming from criminal on criminal violence, you know, gang violence and things like that. So yeah, it's a totally different mentality, and I mean, there's a deeper, there's a deeper genesis to this than most people realize, and I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that you have this. What is, I think, justifiably called fatherless behavior. There's no family structure. There's no, you know, there's no uh, teaching of uh, morality or or of, uh, you know, honor or how to be an adult. And and so they they are looking for a place to belong. Uh, and so they find these gangs and the gang culture is a very violent uh, very, um, um, you know, strong will survive Darwinian type culture. And that's unfortunately what we're seeing in a lot of these cases, Fred. Well, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, it never used to be this bad until until the drug cartels on south of the border and elsewhere started importing across the border, across the open border. Thank you, thank you, Biden. Thank you, real, 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 real. Really appreciate what you've done there. You know, these MS-13 people coming up. And infiltrating the gangs, getting a hold of them, you know, getting into the gangs, and directing them, and and increasing, really, really spinning up the violence aspect of it, you know, from from that right. standpoint, which is part, which is also a big problem, which also has never really been addressed, and right. probably never will be, when especially when you got attorney generals who are sponsored by that 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 real, you know, the POS. George Soros and a few others, right. billionaires with you know, well, and three I, B's, bad I, idea, you know, big bank books and bad bad. <laughs> yeah, I would, Fred, I would argue that the MS thirteen thing and and because that's a you know it's shown that they that they came up there. But see, you're right. See, you actually said it. They infiltrated gangs that already existed. I think that this goes back even further. It goes back further to the disintegration of the family unit. Um, you know, it goes back to, uh, you know, uh, 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 to uh, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson's, uh, you know, great society kind of, you know, creating the welfare state and, you know, encouraging and benefiting people who are had broken and single homes and things like that. I think a lot of that is it goes back even further. I think MS-13 and the drug cartels that came in to infiltrate and to utilize the gangs as laborers, as workforce, as soldiers – I think they just took advantage of a situation that was already there. Um, but anyway, thank you, Fred, for your call. I appreciate it. I got to get over to this next call. Larry is up in North Pole. Larry, what's on your mind quickly this morning? Oh, and Larry just hung up. He waited that whole time, and then he hung up. All right. Well, Larry, feel free to call back in uh, the next hour if you'd like to do it. But, I mean, look, I, I think – we can get down into many of the issues that resolve around or that revolve around, um, you know, gun violence or firearms uh, crimes or things like that. 
in a lot of cases, there is, you know, there are other underlying circumstances. That is really just the symptom of the underlying circumstance. Um, and again, talking about the disintegration of the nuclear family and the family unit, that has gone a, a lot further, in my opinion, to creating this problems in society because you have, you know, you have children who have no role models. They have no stability in their homes. Um, they have, uh, in some cases, they get an attitude of, you know, well, everything should be owed to me because it's free because that's how my mom lives or that's, you know, uh, it, it's a it's a whole thing. I mean, I think it's a much deeper issue. Uh, and the firearms are just kind of, like I said, the symptom of what's going on with that. But that's a deeper show, I'm sure, for some other time. We got to go. Hour two, dead ahead, the Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. Let's go back here and see. Uh, see what a feral mentality says, Terry. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's um, it's Darwinian. I mean it. Uh, I think that is the only the strongest will survive, right? It's a Darwinian imperative in these in this gang culture, um, and where respect becomes everything. You want if you if you've ever, if you've, if you ever read a um, a memoir or a uh, you know somebody who was in a gang who uh, a few years ago I read a story about a guy who had been part of a gang uh, for many years in his youth and it ended up leading a gang in um, it was in New York I think. Um, Brooklyn Heights or someplace. Anyway, he he talked about, you know, that he basically, uh, even when he led the gang and was the leader of the gang, he, uh, he said that those were the most fearful days of his life, even though he was the leader. He said he was afraid all the time. He was afraid, you know, and he couldn't, but he couldn't talk to anybody. He couldn't show any weakness. He said even his own gang would turn on people within the gang if they showed any sign of weakness and they would, you know, they would they would eat their own, you know, like the the wolves that that attack the youngest and the weakest in the pack, to uh, to do it. And I think a lot of that again is that the youth are looking for something to belong to. They're looking for that stability. They're looking because he's he talked about that in his in his talk that, you know, that's one of the reasons why he started running with a gang because he had no, you know, kind of stability in the household and every and you know they want to belong to something greater than themselves people have a tendency i mean i you know want to belong to something greater than myself uh that esprit de corps whatever it is and uh you know it's a it's a it's fascinating to watch i mean you know gang culture is very feral by nature that's what terry said feral mentality and it is uh and that's where you see a lot of these things come on and and you know you may not understand well he disrespected me so i had to kill him that seems like an overreaction to general to most normal people. He, oh, he disrespected you, so you killed him for it? But in their minds, that is the height of, I mean, that is one of the ultimate offenses, right? Because it's all built around, the whole thing is built around the strongest, uh, or at least who appears to be the strongest, you know. That kind of makes the six o'clock club a club a gang. Yeah, but... 
I'm the leader. Don't challenge my authority. I mean, it's 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 inter- it's an interesting that's an interesting discussion to get into one day to talk about, uh, you know, gang mentality and uh, and everything else. Um, uh, Richard says the family court often pushes the father out of the picture, leaving the kids uh, to long for somewhere to belong and be accepted. It's with gangs and trains and many other groups that are growing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think again. Uh, we have definitely have some broken aspects um, of society uh, that uh, encourage that kind of behavior. Uh, and whether that's the social safety net programs, which, uh, you know, uh, if you're a single mom and you have a kid and you're on, so, you know, you're on some kind of social safety net, some kind of welfare program. Um, you know, it discourages you to from getting together and forming a family because you could lose that. It makes them dependent on it. Um, and, and some people have learned how to game that system, right? I mean, we hear the horror stories of people, you know, with six kids, you know, driving a new car and doing everything else and, and you know, getting the assistance for each one. And I mean, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. But, yeah, as soon as they don't have that role model, they don't have that uh, – I mean, even if the father is not a great person, the stability of the home um, is important. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's a leading cause of what's going on. I mean, again, a decoy voice over on YouTube constantly talks about the, the fatherless behavior. Unemployed and fatherless behavior is what he calls it. And I, I – think that that's a perfect snapshot of what we're talking about. It is a lot of fatherless behavior going on across the country. The erosion of accountability for decisions is by design and really a way for the government to call the herd in an inexpensive manner. Well, I think it's a way to make people definitely make people more dependent on some of those things. Um, Michael says in the chat room, he says, uh, I used to be, I used to, uh, which I think he means he used to want to belong to something, like I was talking about that esprit de corps. Now I just want to be left alone. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. With you on that. Okay, uh, get off my lawn. Hashtag get off my lawn. Um, that's right. Nikki Cruz was New York City's most dangerous young street gang president of his day, according to NYPD. But he's not anymore and has helped millions who were like himself find freedom. So there's hope. Yeah. Uh, Again, I'm, you know, I agree. I agree. Uh, Fred, if you're listening, Bill in the chat room says we appreciate your calls every Friday. Fred, thank you. Rick also says thanks to for calling in, Fred. It's always good to hear from Fred. It's nice to hear somebody outside the state so that we know that we're not, uh, you know, not to do it. Richard said, saw a great meme. It said, quote, I used to be a people person, but people ruined it for me, unquote. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the truth. I used to be a people person. Oh, ah, just a hot, hot mess. All right, uh, where are we? Well, hey, look, we're we're there. We gotta we gotta go. Phone lines are still open, ready to take your calls. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Here we go. 
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. It's my rifle, it's my gun, it's for fire, it's for fun. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday, my friends. Good morning, TGIFF. Thank you for coming on board and joining us today. It's the one day a week that we get a chance to talk about firearms and gun rights and the Second Amendment and laws and things that are on the books and everything else. Lots of good discussion today. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150 for gun Q&A all day. Any topic related to firearms that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. We just got finished up with a call from Fred from Rhode Island who calls in every week to give us an update from out on the East Coast. That was an interesting discussion. Uh, and, of course, you can always join us in the chat room as well, which is available on YouTube or Facebook, facebook.com slash Show slash live. Or just go to MichaelDukeShow.com and you'll find all the links there for all of that as well. Coming up in this hour, Chris Chang, Top Shot champion uh, from Season 4 of the show Top Shot, is going to come on and talk with us about the resignation of Wayne LaPierre, as the executive vice president of the NRA. Uh, that uh, resignation is going to take effect on the 31st of this month. And now they're talking about who's going to replace him because he's just, he's lazy. They, he is the center point of this uh, lawsuit. And I think it's time for him. I think he should have stepped down a long time ago, personally, but we'll see. Uh, so now we're going to talk about some of the potential replacements out there. And Chris has some thoughts on that he's going to share with us. And so we're going to talk with him here in just a bit. Plus, we'll finish up the show with Willie Waffle. But first, let's go back over to the phone lines. I think it's Larry back in uh, North Pole again. Let's see uh, what's going on. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Larry in North Pole, Fairbanks area. Morning, uh, Larry. You were talking talking earlier about uh, those gangs and stuff and, and – um, I don't know if you remember about the little town in Georgia called Kennesaw and what they did. Yeah, Kennesaw, Georgia is one of the few places in the United States that is a requirement of living in the town. You're required to have a firearm in your home. That's an actual ordinance on the books in Kennesaw, Georgia, where you are required to own a firearm. Wouldn't America be a lot better off if every town did that? <laughs> well, that's kind of an extension of what as Mike far was. As criminal, yeah, that was kind of an extension of what Mike was talking about earlier, where he said, "You know, we just required if you leave your house, you have to carry a gun." Uh, wouldn't that slow a lot of that down? I mean, you're right. I mean, Kennesaw, Georgia, has one of the lowest crime rates in the nation. 
Uh, I mean, it's and again, not not surprising, Uh, even though I think that they said a few years ago that they're not really enforcing that law, but it is on the books. Uh, You know, you just never know. And which criminal is going to go to a town that has an ordinance on the books that says everybody has to have a gun on their home? What criminal is going to go? Oh, I think I'll go break into a home around here when he could drive one county over and not be worried about that. Right. I mean. Even if it even if it wasn't enforced, it would raise enough questions, I think, to slow some bad guys down. You betcha. Um, and my sentiments about Wayne LaPierre run right along with yours. Um, I think he's a crook, but and that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think he's. I mean, problematic to say the least. Uh, I you know criminal. Potentially uh, problematic and and a and a millstone around the neck of the NRA. I believe that, and I think he should have. St- I think he should have been forced out years ago. Quite honestly, um, and uh, you know, and I. I mean, I believe in the NRA's mission. I've helped out. I've done all that I can do to help local. And I think all the NRA people at the local level are amazing. But I'm really and have been for the last f- six seven years really concerned about the NRA leadership. And uh, what the things that they were allowing and the things that they were doing. And, of course, everything that he's been accused of, he hasn't been convicted, but all the things he's been accused of, including using all these funds for, you know, wardrobes and flights and private jets for his family and all this other kind of stuff. That it it just again, it shows the disdain. And and I've never respected LaPierre since I discovered his uh, since I discovered his uh, workings behind the scenes on the 1986 FOPA. Uh, and how he was he basically threw the you know class three gun owners under the bus he I've never been a fan of Lapierre since that time same here the same here yeah and one of the things that talked about safety you know you guys are talking about gun safety and so forth and you know I'm old and my my brain is uh, kind of forgetful sometimes but there's a country over in Europe that requires you to put a silencer on your hunting gun right oh yeah for safety because the the the, the country has a uh, medical plan that the government pays for your health well they they claimed that uh, they were getting a lot of um, problems with people losing hearing from shooting guns so they make them put the silencers on yeah no finland and, finland has um, got that uh Finland has got that requirement. I mean, in fact, they sell suppressors in hardware stores in Finland. If you want to go shooting, if you want to go, yeah, you, in, can, yeah, you just go down yeah. there and pick it up. Yep. Very economical also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, I'll let you go and uh, so you can get on with the rest of the program. And uh, I, I threw my two cents worth in. <laughs> All right. And, uh, We'll We'll catch up with you guys later. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate your call. I appreciate you coming on board today and being part of it. That leaves the lines open at 433-3150-907-433-3150. If you would like to call and comment on any of the things we've been talking about, agree or disagree, I'd love to hear what you have to see. Uh, hear what you have to say here uh, on the program and get uh, all to it. So we're going to be talking to Chris Chang here in about, uh, oh, eight, nine, ten minutes or so. But before we get to that, I wanted to get to this story um, about the Colorado Democrats in Congress who are trying to force a congressional vote on a magazine ban. 
uh, Diane DeJet and uh, Jason Crow, both of the Congress people from uh, Colorado, have uh, decided that they're going to force a ban. They're going to force a vote on the uh, on a on the what is it? What's the name of this bill called? I keep forgetting. Keep America Safe Act. I love how they have all these these names of these bills. We're going to keep America safe. Uh, and the course, the Keep America Safe Act includes a high capacity magazine ban, and they're going to. Um, they're going to they're going to try and force this up in front of uh, Congress right now. It's a discharge petition that they're trying to get. The petition requires 218 signatures to vote uh, to force a vote on the floor uh, with 213 Democrats in the House. They'll need five Republicans to uh, to sign it. Now, you probably will be able to find five Republicans somewhere out of the other 200 and something Republicans that was you might be able to. It'll be interesting to see how this gets when it hits if it if and when it hits the floor. But you know what? The thing is, it's just like I was talking about earlier when these crises come up and the first thing they talk about is, oh, uh, the shooting in uh, uh, the shooting in. Iowa with the kid, you know, he had a shotgun and a small caliber pistol. But the first thing they talk about is universal background checks. We need we need high capacity magazine bans. We need assault weapons bans. When one, he stole the firearm from his grandfather. Uh, so universal background checks wouldn't have made a big deal. Uh, a high capacity magazine ban. He didn't have anything with a high capacity. He had a small caliber pistol and a shotgun. And they want the assault weapons ban. And again, he had a shotgun. Which is that, you know, that is like the one thing that they would leave us with is the shotgun, right? Because if they took away all the other guns, that you could have a shotgun. But this is the same kind of thing. So these Congress critters are out there <clears throat> trying to push this ban. But wait. But wait. Colorado has all these laws. They enacted a magazine ban in 2013. How has that worked out for them in, since then? How how has that worked out for them since then? In 2012, the year before the state adopted its universal background checks and its magazine ban, Colorado ranked 30th out of 50 states when it came to violent crime. 30th. Ten years after the ban, Colorado was 8th out of 50 and had the fourth highest crime rate overall in the country. So you put these into effect in your own state and it immediately over the well not immediately but over the course of 10 years you fell from being 30th out of 50 the lower third the lower the lowest you know to being up near the top and in fact you're number 4 out of 50 when it comes to overall crime in the country so you're telling me this worked? That this is this is the this is the work that I mean, but this is the kind of it doesn't matter. This is one of those things where the facts don't count. We have to do something. We have to do something. It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But this is what they're going to try and do. Now, will they find five Republicans? to uh to to get it to get it together and do it to it i don't know uh, i don't know we'll have to see we'll have to see
uh, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not confident that I'm not confident that uh, all those Republicans will stay the course in Congress. I mean, there are some wishy-washy guys in there and gals. I mean, it's just you know, they only need five to get it to the floor. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, all right, we got to go. Uh, we're going to continue here in just a moment. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4 of the show Top Shot's coming up. We will be right back. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return to more right after this. Your Mental Suppository. Okay. Have to do something? Get off my lawn. All right, Chris, I just finally sent Chris the link. I forgot to send Chris the link this morning to the show uh, so that he can join on board. Hopefully, he'll be joining here in just a second, and we'll get things squared away. Um, man, we got to get some T-shirts made. Hashtag get off my lawn. Oh, man. Brian says, I'm going to wait to see what emerges uh, what emerges out of the NRA shakeup before I decide whether to rejoin. I mean, that's exa- I'm with you on that. I haven't renewed my membership. I didn't ever almost bought a lifetime membership a few years ago. But again, I was still mad about the I was still mad about LaPierre. I've been mad about LaPierre since 1987. OK, let me just put it that way. And once it became EVP, I was like, oh, this is so, I mean, but I pay my dues. I do my annual thing. I got, you know, I got uh, my instructor's chit from the NRA. I went to through an instructor's course. I did all that. I gave him money when I could. Uh, but man, over the last, I, I haven't renewed my NRA membership in, what's well, going on 10 years now. I gave my money to GOA. I became a GOA life member, Gun Owners of America. And uh, I've started to give money to the FPC, the Firearms Policy Coalition, as well. And uh, But I haven't done anything with the NRA. It's not, again, I don't believe, it's not that I don't believe in the NRA's mission. I just believe that the leadership is a problem. Let's just put it that way. The leadership of the NRA is a problem. That's it for sure. Um, I got one line on hold. But Chris Chang is going to be joining us here in a second. Let's talk to this caller real quick to see what they have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Mark. Mike, this is uh, Dave with Fairbanks. Good morning, Dave. What's on your mind quickly here, my friend? Yes, so I hear they uh, took the ban off of the uh, arm brace. Uh, the ban on the arm brace is in place for certain people. You have to be a member of uh, GOA or Firearms Policy Coalition or some of the other things. The injunction only affects them for now, but, I mean, it's 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 in flux. Let's put it that way. It's in flux. Well, I went to a gun shop here in town. They said the uh, arm brace is okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So they uh, tried to make a criminal out of an honest person uh, by this band, and I was just trying to find out if it was still banded or it's not banded. So it's like, well, last I you know, last I heard, like, 
My, the last that I heard about it is that it was on our gun right like that, you know. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Uh, last I heard about it is that it was enjoined by the courts um, because of the court case by the GOA and the Firearms Policy Coalition. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're enforcing it across the country right now, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, what happens with that and what comes out of that. So. Um, all right. Well, thank you, my friend, for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, we are up against it here. Chris Chang is now in the uh, green room. Uh, we want to test his connection real quick to make sure that he is up and rolling. Let me pull uh, pull that aside. We'll go over here. Mr. Chang, sir, how are you, my friend? How are things going? Hey, good morning. Yeah, things are great here. How about you? Good, good. Oh, man, look at you sound. You sound crisp and clean. No caffeine. Never had hey, it. Never hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you ready to dive into this thing and, and get uh, get it going on? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Okay, good. Well, we're about uh, 30 seconds out right now. <laughs> Harold makes the comment, and I agree, this is, this is part and part of the problem. Harold makes the comment, not a lot of politicians pushing the I'm a lifetime NRA member right now. And there's a reason for that, right? I mean, there's a reason. Like I said, I haven't renewed my NRA membership in probably close to 10 years because of all the stuff that's been going on. Um, and I think that what you're seeing here is a symptom of the larger problem that people have been concerned about. And a lot of those concerns have been pushed to the side, hence the lawsuit and everything else. So, But we're going to talk now about what's going to happen uh, afterwards because uh, when LaPierre's out, who do we go to from there? Chris has some thoughts on that. And we will uh, pick that up here in just a hot second. Please like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the youtube things and all the other stuff for me and for Chris. Top Shot Chris as well. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. 100% Assault Radio. We've offended somebody <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Already. <laughs> show me on this doll where the Michael Duke show hurt your feelings. I mean, that's where it's going to somebody in the chat room. Right here. Yes. Right here. So, somebody in the chat room asked me to play that. They said, I'd love to see your face light up every time you hear that liner uh, because you just it, it's it's hysterical. It's, it's epic. Yeah, it's epic. It's epic. That clip is like 12 years old and it still gets me every time. You know, every me time. Too. Yeah, every I love time. it. Chris Chang, Top Shot champion from season four of the History Channel show Top Shot, joins us. He's author of the book Shoot to Win, uh, NSF, uh, NSSF spokesman, and uh, of course, uh, one of the founders of the uh, Asian American Pacific Gun Owners Association. And uh, I mean, you've got so many hats, I can't even keep track anymore. You've got all kinds of things going on. Uh, but today, Chris, let's talk a little bit about the NRA. Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, Wayne LaPierre. We just kind of did a little teaser coming into it, talking about my thoughts on what was going on. I haven't been a fan of Wayne LaPierre since 1986, uh, when I was 17 years old, uh, for various reasons, mostly for his involvement in the Firearms Owners Protection Act uh, legislation that was going on in his capitulation that threw Class Three uh, firearms owners under the bus and Anyway, there's a whole there's a whole thing there, and that's even before you get into the whole EVP thing. But he's out as of January 31. He's over. It's done. 
And there's been a few names floated. Some of them I'm not real sure about, uh, including uh, the uh, the fact that they want to put Dade Felon up there from Texas. Uh, I have some concerns there. But Wade Callender has also been uh, listed as a potential. You've got some thoughts on this, so I want to give you the floor. Get, tell me what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, what's happening with the NRA is, is obviously really unfortunate. And, you know, from, from what I understand, it just it's all seems very self-inflicted. You know, it's, you know, there's obviously a lot of allegations of, um, you know, kind of backdoor dealing and uh, potentially fraud. And so we're going to see how that all plays out in the courts. But to the point, you know, we need a strong NRA. And, you know, I, I'm a lifetime NRA member, but to your earlier point, you know, I don't go advertise that too broadly these days. But the point is, you know, we need a strong NRA because it not only helps with training new shooters around the country, but obviously they also stand up for our rights in the court. And so this question of who is going to take over the NRA. Um, so Wade Callender, um, full disclosure, he is a friend of mine, um, but he is someone who I'm supporting for uh, it's the executive vice president position, which is essentially the CEO of the NRA. So Wade Callender has uh, definitely registered his interest. He's he's getting some very strong early support from uh, a lot of NRA board members. Uh, I'm on the NRA outreach committee, uh, so I've you know been uh, on the committee for gosh almost ten years now, um, and, and I've seen how this there's just too many board members on the NRA. Um, a lot of board members don't know what's going on. And when you have 76 board members, yeah, it, it's hard for people to know what's going on. So again, well, I think that's just another self-inflicted wound. I, I agree. Um, right, sort of. They tried to make it such a big tent, right? They want to include everybody. They want to do the 76. But all that does is seed power to the EVP, the executive vice president. I mean, he could do all kinds of things. And like you said, half the time, these people don't know what's going on. Uh, with the rest of the board. And then you have the board within the board, right? The uh, I can't remember what the name, the official title is, but it's like the, 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 the vice council or whatever inside. And they're the ones that are really kind of running the show. And they were working, some of these people working hand in glove with, with LaPierre. And I mean, it's just, it's insane. When you read some of the, some of the allegations and the charges of, you know, $500,000 for wardrobe and travel and putting his family on a private jet and all these other kind of things. And you're like, what is going on? I mean, you want my 35, my 40, my 50 bucks a year. What are you doing with it? That's not fighting. Yeah. That's not fighting for my rights. Exactly. You know, when I, as I've been reading the allegations, I mean, they're infuriating, right? And so for me, I, I want to be a part of the reform, right? Be a part of this next generation of the NRA, which I, I hope, you know, whether it's through a combination of the court decision and through a combination of NRA members like me voting for change, right? Basically, this is, I think, one of those situations where we need to do out, you know, out, out with the old, Right. And in with the new, right. There, there's just so much cruft and baggage that uh, the existing leadership has that we really just seen a fresh start. I, I believe Wade Callender is that fresh start for us. Now, obviously, he's one person, right? He's the, the, there's going to need to be a lot more change. But quick background on Wade, you know, he used to work at the NRA. He is the deputy director for ILA, which is the lobbying arm of the NRA. He was very involved in the Bruin. Supreme Court case uh, and the strategy to to win. 
Um, he's he's a, he's a great person. He has character. Uh, he's U.S. Navy, so you know he has a personal and professional moral code, right? And he and I have talked about how he wants to be a a servant leader, right? This is very much about right. serving the members, right? This is not about self serving and self dealing, like it sounds like a lot of the old NRA uh, leadership is involved in. You know, Wade wants to be a servant leader. You know, he wants to be here to serve the members, right? To make sure that when we pay our association dues that we're getting our money's worth, right? right. That we feel proud to be a member of the NRA. I wanna be able to say that again, right? right. I, I can't say that right now. I mean, right. I'm a member of the NRA, but it's sort of like, I'm there to try and save the sinking ship, right? right. Like many of us, so. Trying to bail it out, exactly. Well, and, and he was kind of a victim of this whole thing to begin with. I mean, he was, he was again the executive director of ILA, but he left due in large part to the continuing outside interference from uh, one of the attorneys uh, from NRA's outside counsel, which is one of these, that's their part of this whole lawsuit thing, right? Because they were the ones that were exactly. interfering and they were working hand in glove with LaPierre and a lot of this stuff. Uh, and he basically just threw his hands up and said, I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. And yeah. uh, and now to come back and try and save it, I think that gives him some street cred on that, uh, that position as well. Absolutely. You know, Wade, Wade quit because he just wasn't going to compromise his morals, right? He wasn't going to compromise his values of, of honesty. I mean, these are very basic core core values, right? Of, of honesty, of transparency, and also, you know, having a good legal strategy on top of it. But, you know, Wade is uh, extremely fired up to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to lead the NRA into the next uh, into the next generation here. And of course, we're gonna have to wait and see what the New York courts decide, uh, what happens to the NRA, because there could be a special master that's appointed to literally call the shots. You know, typically the EVP position is voted on by the NRA membership at the annual meeting, which is coming up here in May in Dallas. And so, you know, a lot of us, we are assuming that vote is 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 hopefully gonna happen, but in the event that it isn't in the court, the court may literally appoint a new EVP. We have, we have no idea, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen. But the point is, we have to be ready for any uh, result here. And the idea is, we want to have a solid candidate in 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 you know, waiting in the wings. Uh, and that person is Wade Callender for me. So if you are yeah. familiar with Wade Callender, I really encourage NRA members to to look him up. If you uh, left the NRA and um, are interested in you know being a part of saving the NRA, I would really encourage you to rejoin just literally just so you can vote on the next EVP. Uh, Only Guns and Money has an article up about this and about the duel, what they're calling dueling letters, because the other person that's being endorsed is Dade Felon, who is a uh, uh, he's a House District uh, uh, member. Uh, and this guy is, you know, again, going back and reading and looking at what he's done, this guy is really part of the problem, not part of the solution. And it would be totally unfortunate. And quite honestly, I think it would be the death knell of the NRA if somebody like Falon got in there as EVP. I think that would be, again, even worse than, uh, I mean, because I don't, this is my personal opinion. This is not Chris. My personal opinion is I believe LaPierre is really not 
the pro-gun guy we needed. He was not as pro-gun as he was not there. It was more about compromise and capitulation, in my opinion, than it was about actually protecting rights. Um, and I think Fallon would be cut from the same cloth. I think that would be a problem. Um, and so I and I I like what Wade Gallander's done. I am familiar with the name. Uh, and looking back at what he's doing, being critical to Bruin and that strategic decision, this is a guy that's fighting for us. And this is the guy that I think if uh, and you're right, I might throw a few dollars in the kitty and rejoin just to be able to vote because um, I, I've been I hold my nose and do it, you know, because we just don't know. I mean, the NRA, this could undo the NRA, this whole court case in the long run. It very much could. Right. The, the court could literally appoint a new EVP. That's an anti-gunner. I mean, yeah. we we literally should be thinking about these worst case scenarios. You know, I imagine an anti-gun, uh, you know, either a politician or a, a lawyer, right, to come in and just absolutely decimate and gut the NRA. And you know, we are still we still have about four and a half million members, if if I'm uh, not mistaken. But you know, that number has dropped precipitously yes, yes. from five point, you know, a height of five point five million. Maybe we're down to actually four million now that I think about. It. But the point is, right. We have a huge membership base, right? And the NRA, you know, it doesn't matter what your opinion of the NRA is, it's a strong force to be reckoned with, right? It has been very influential, right, over the over the decades. And it is still the it's still the biggest out there. Um, and and so look, I'm a huge fan of GOA, FPC, SAF, right? NRA though, you know, we we should be working all together is another point of mine. You know, there's so much infighting, and I, I'm not for that either. If right. we join forces, right, in the NRA, uh, and Wade, Wade is also very much about that, right? Let's right. stop. Let's stop this infighting. Let's let's work together because we're literally all on the same team fighting yeah. for our Second Amendment. We're rights. down to the last 90 seconds here, but I would say we really need a battle plan of a reorganization, like you said. I mean, reducing the board down to a reasonable number, putting somebody new in. But t- maybe talk about changing locations. Maybe the NRA needs to uh, move their move their their operations out of New York into another state that's going to be more friendly. The, if we had a battle plan and he could articulate something like that, I think that would go a, a long way to so you know to solidifying and and fortifying his positions on that. One minute, Chris. Wade is uh, definitely planning to do so. And, you know, he and I were talking uh, the other day about him talking to NRA members and former NRA members as well, right? To li- basically do a listening tour and really understand, you know, what, what do you want to see from the NRA, right? What will, what will make you satisfied to pay, right? Your annual dues, like what are you hoping and wanting to get? Because, you know, for too long, Wade was telling me, you know, the NRA leadership just sort of seemed to have done things that they thought members needed, right? But when was the last time that the NRA actually asked members, right, what do we want? Right. What's the input? Where's the, where's it going? Absolutely. Chris, I'm sorry. I got to go hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Sorry about that, Chris. I'm up. I was a sla- yeah, no slave to the clock on that. So give us a time frame and tell us how can we, you know, what, what, how do we how do we support it? Of course, again, maybe it's time to renew my NRA membership. It's been a few years, well, probably close to a decade at this point. But, I mean, uh, time to renew. When would we vote? When is this coming up? Of course, the court case that could throw a wrench in it. But what, what, you know, what, what, what's the game plan here? What should we be doing? 
Yeah, well, you know, if you if anyone's interested in, in reactivating or signing up for, you know, as an NRA member for the first time, um, you should do that um, immediately. Um, I, I don't know offhand. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of cutoff or, you know, if you need to be a member by a certain date before the uh, the May voting. Um, I know ballots also get mailed out um, in the mail. So, uh, yeah, I, to be fair, I don't remember all the mechanics of uh I, I get the ballot you know, every year, so I vote by ballot, but I think there's also some process that happens uh, at the annual meeting. But the point is, yeah, you should uh, sign up as an NRA member now if you're interested in uh, positioning yourself to vote for the next executive vice president, the EVP you know, of the NRA. Now, the caveat here is um, at the end of February is when we're expecting to hear the court's decision on what's going to happen. Now, if that timeline holds, then who knows if there's even going to be a vote. Um, I, I sure hope there is, but again, no one really knows what the court's going to do um, you know, to the NRA. Uh, but again, we do know that, right, Wayne LaPierre is out as of the end of this month, and we have a caretaker, you know, CEO. Um, I, I don't think he's interested in, you know, running for the permanent position, but Wade Callender is someone who is and someone who I wholeheartedly support. Well, and I think that's a great thing. And like I said, I hope that he comes forward with some kind of battle plan to say, here's how we make the NRA better. You know, we shrink the board. We do this. We cut out all the ancillary BS. We do. We focus on the mission, um, you know, and I, you know, you know, I, I take my salary and nothing more. I don't do all this other stuff. And, you know, I mean, again, if you look at the uh, if you look at the documents in the court and what they're accusing uh, and, you know, the things that they have evidence of. The first time I read through it, I had to I had to read through it two or three times because I'm like, what? I mean, it's jaw dropping. It is just it's, and it's, and people are still cons- I mean, why the board when this all came out didn't immediately force him to resign or fire him? I don't know. Other than the board is compl- is is complicit in some of these things. The not the full board, but the executive council or whatever it's called. They are they are complicit and named in some of these things as well. So. We got to clean out. We got to clean house. We got to yep. clean house. One hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's um, it's been interesting for me to see over the years the power of influence that uh, LaPierre and others uh, have. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the NRA to to silence people. Yeah, I've oh, seen yeah. multiple board members um, kicked to the curb because they spoke out on one thing or another. Right? They wanted transparency on finances. They wanted you know a different legal strategy. And if if you went against the cabal, that you were going to be forced out. You were going to be marginalized. You're right? stripped of committee chairmanships and other responsibilities. So it it really creates this culture of fear. Right. Why would you as a board member speak out if, if you're just going to become persona non grata? Right. Right. Not just within the NRA board, but remember, like there's a wider firearms industry, right? People have right, right their livelihoods and their reputations um to keep up because this is how right they make a living. And if the NRA is gonna start talking badly about you because you're a former board member, right, who you know went against the power structure. Yeah, you could get black. Right? That's not you, very enticing. You get blackballed in the industry in that regard. And uh, if you're a trouble, mm-hmm. if you're a troublemaker, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I mean, just 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 ask Jeff Knox or Neil Knox or any of those people about yeah. what happened. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's a whole thing that uh, it, this has been going on for a while. 
and this has oh, been yeah. a problem, and we need to fix it. If we want the NRA to survive, we need to fix it. So it's uh, it's good to go. Uh, all right, uh, Chris, anything else real quick here? I got about 60 seconds before I got to let you go. Well, uh, anybody that is uh, you know interested in learning how to shoot, you know, my book, Shoot to Win, still selling really well. I'm going to SHOT Show in a few weeks to do um, a number of book signings. So, yeah, Shoot to Win. For the uh, either for the new shooter or if you're an experienced shooter looking to uh, you know uh, get get a, a, a primer on your foundational marksmanship skills, check yeah. it out wherever books Ab- are sold. Absolutely, and uh, you know what you should you should call me from Shot Show. We should have a Firearms Friday look a quick hit on Friday. Oh, that would be fun. Let's, uh, let's talk offline let's, about yeah, that. Let's talk about that because that'd be fun. I haven't been to Shot Show in 12, 15 years. I really should go. Uh, we need to get you on yeah. Radio Row, Michael. They I have know. a whole row I know. of radio jockeys, just just the whole line of everybody coming in to do interviews. It's so much fun. You'd love it. Next uh, year, let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. I And I haven't done SHOT Show in Vegas. Last time I did SHOT Show, it was in Orlando, which is- Oh, a, yeah. Wow. Vegas, Vegas is a little closer. That'll be fine. So yeah. get to All right, my friend. Well, thanks for coming on board. As always, it's good to hear from you. Appreciate you being part of it. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion. Season four of the uh, of the Top Shot Show. All right, uh, coming up to it, uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get going on. Time to get hit with Willie. Let's do it, Willie Waffle. Okay, we are ready to go. Finish it up. Getting ready for the weekend. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Let's get it done. Uh, Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com, kicks off our weekend every time. Hello, Mr. Waffle, sir. I know you're not used to that well, kind of address, hello. but, you know, I just, you know. No. It's my sir, dad, sir, right? Sir, it's yeah, my, it's I my know. Dad. It's sir. I mean, I only get called sir at restaurants because they want a tip. Come it's on. right. They call me Mr. Waffle. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so let's get uh, let's get to this, shall we? We got a bunch of stuff and uh, movies to talk about. So let's start off with uh, let's start off with Elon Musk. Uh, this guy, oh, I, I like okay. him. I like Elon Musk. You know, I just I don't know. There's just something about him. He's irreverent. He's contradictory sometimes in some of his beliefs. But you know what? I got to respect a guy that can. You know, he just goes out there and says, oh, there's a problem. He creates a company that goes to fix it. You know, the boring company or SpaceX or whatever. Anyway, uh, he bought X, obviously, which was formerly Twitter. And now they're doing something new. Hit me with the hit me with the stuff here. Yeah, well, you know, X needs to survive. X needs to sell advertising dollars because a lot of advertising dollars are disappearing so they are going to start producing some original content. Yeah, Elon Musk's X uh, now is going to be producing new programming with former CNN anchor Don Lemon, also sports talk radio legend Jim Rome, and the former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, oh. among others. I mean, oh. they're going to they're going to try to expand this, right? And and the idea here is, you know, they want they want to get something that's on X 
that is predictable. Right. You know, like they know in, in the Don Lemon show, there's not going to be anything about Nazis or there's not going to be anything that advertisers are going to be afraid of and, and don't want to be near. And so this is really their attempt to say, hey, listen, we've got something here that you can advertise during. I know you don't want to have all the ads in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the streams and everything. Fine. But you can do it here. So, you know, I, you know, it's, it, it's pretty much what you're going to expect, right? You know, Don Lemon's going to do like the Don Lemon show on CNN, except here he says he wants to air his opinions more. So good luck with that. Uh, you know, Jim Rome going to do sports talk radio like Jim Rome does. And, uh, you know, I, I guess Gabbard is going to do kind of like a political talk show. As right, well. right. Which that should be interesting because I kind of like her. I mean, she's a Democrat, but she's uh, kind of like one of those old school, you know, uh, Blue dog Democrats, you know, so it's it, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be interesting. Um, Don Lemon, that's an interesting choice. But, you know, hey, wh- whatever. I understand they're trying to get. Co- I can't get this whole. Oh, my God, because Elon Musk owns it now. Now it's all Nazis before it was never Nazis. Now it's all. I mean, I don't know. I never got <laughs> well, you know, I never I, got Twitter anyway. So honestly, I think I think it's blowback because he, he looked at what Twitter was doing and said, you're censoring content. You, you don't have any real rules or standards about it. You just kind of control what you want the message to be. Right. And, and I think when he, when he removed all of that, you know, that opened up the door for, you know, other controversial comments. And since sure. nobody in the world, I guess, can think for themselves anymore, uh, you know, that was the big sin. Like, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't stifling everything, uh, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's, that's why the advertisers started to leave because they were, were really afraid that, hey, you know, uh, I've got my ads showing up next to things that are horrifyingly uh, horrible. And, right, and I right. agree they're hor- horrifyingly horrible. But, you know, I, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, how, how much can you censor what is being used in this platform and still consider yourself to be an open platform? Right. Be a free speech, you know, for free speech, yeah. even speech you disagree with. Yeah. Well, I got it. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. When's this supposed to come online? Uh, you know, soon. They don't really have dates on these things. You know how it yeah, goes. I know. We're going to make the announcement, and then, like, we'll make an announcement in a few months that it's coming soon. And then when it arrives, they'll do another <laughs> announcement. <laughs> soon. Soon. Trademark. Uh, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's the soon. So, uh, All right. Well, Tina Fey is heading to Netflix. Uh, this is the – you know, everybody knows Tina Fey, right? I mean – and yeah. she's got a new uh, series that she's not only going to produce, but she's going to star in. Yeah, this is actually going to be her first uh, real TV show uh, since she left 30 Rock. Uh, well, 30 Rock ended, to be honest. I mean, you know, she didn't leave it. It ended. Uh, but, yeah, she is going to star in and produce a series version of the 1981 movie The Four Seasons, which originally starred Alan Alda and Carol Burnett. And, uh, you know, it was it was a fairly successful movie. They tried to make a, a TV series out of it on CBS a few years later. Uh, didn't really take off. Uh, but they're going to try to revive it, bring it back for an eight-episode series. Uh, they're going to go into production this fall with the hopes of kind of bringing it out in, in the wintertime uh, next year. And and the idea, if you haven't seen the movie, is that you have these these couples that all kind of get together for vacations on an annual basis, except one of the couples kind of breaks up and... He starts dating a younger woman, and that's where the strife begins. Of course it does. Okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> good for them. I mean, if they've got a market for it, then that should be good. And it was a pretty – I mean, this is uh, 
Uh, the Four Seasons was one. I mean, it was a well-known movie in the early 80s. So, you know, maybe maybe there's a resurgence. Maybe somebody's feeling nostalgic. Not me, but maybe somebody's feeling well, nostalgic. I think the biggest thing that they're going to accomplish here is they're bringing Tina Fey back in house. Yeah. You know, T Tina Fey, you know, was was the producer and the writer of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was one of the earliest Netflix original programs and, and you know, really kind of made Netflix what it is today, you know, kind of in that evolution from going from the place that that mailed your DVDs to where I watch TV shows now. Right. Uh, so I think they want to have her in, especially as Tina Fey's name is hot right now. There's a lot of talk, a lot of rumors that she's taking over Saturday night live as soon as, uh, as soon as uh, Lauren Michaels decides to hang it up. Well, that should be interesting. I guess we'll see what happens with that. Um, how much time do we got here? Uh, suits. Uh, now I've never seen suits. Okay. Uh, we'll do it real quick because I've never seen suits. So I know nothing about okay. it, but apparently it's coming back. Or it's continued. Well, yeah, it, it's it's made a big comeback. So Suits is is Netflix's biggest success story of of late 2023. Uh, you know, it, it has become the the number one program among what they call their acquired series. Uh, you know, its its ratings have gone through the roof, and it's given kind of resurgence to a lot of the cast. Well, you know who used to be in that cast? A lot of people do. That would be one Meghan Markle, the former princess. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was it was funny because they got a lot of them together for the during the Golden Globes and uh, they, they were, you know, walking the red carpet, doing interviews. And one of the cast members said, yeah, we have like this whole like chat that's going on with all the members of the cast, except Meghan Markle. We don't even have her phone number anymore. <laughs> She's too good for you now. That's what it is. She's too good for you now. So um, I don't what is Suits about? I don't even know what it's about. What it, oh, so it, it is about a law firm. And uh, and the idea is uh, one of the one of the lawyers is kind of a fraud uh, in, in you know, playing a con job. But, uh, you know, they take on crazy cases and have all sorts of antics. And there's lots of of. Uh, how do they say amour involved oh, okay. as well? Well, that's probably exactly why I've never watched it. Okay. The one, <laughs> the one story I really wanted to talk about, big, mm -hmm. big announcements from Disney and Star Wars fans, The Mandalorian. No, not another season. It's a movie. The Mandalorian movie, baby. Man. This, this made my week. I am so excited. And all they had to do was tell me two things. Number one. It's going to be directed by John Favreau, the man who helped create the Mandalorian, yep, yep. the man who's been so involved in the Marvel universe, and and really, uh, you know, let's let's be honest, John Favreau made the Marvel universe what it is yeah. with his his involvement early on, especially with Iron Man. Uh, so that was number one thing I wanted to hear, and number two thing I wanted to hear, it's going to be called the Mandalorian and Grogu. I mean, that's just, yeah, I know. It's like the most that's awesome. That's the hard part. That's the most awesome title <laughs> ever, right? And Grogu <laughs> couldn't be well, the Mandalorian know, and, and Baby Yoda. It couldn't be. You know. we'll see, and that's going to be the problem because you know some people are going to be like, "Who's Grogu?" And then like nerds like me are going to go, "That's Baby Yoda's actual name, and he's he's a real person and a real character, not just yeah. Baby Yoda." Yeah, exactly. And so you know, he's declaring his independence in this movie. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I think it'll be really cool. There is going to be a fourth season. Uh, you know that that is supposed to be uh, going into production. I want to say like in the fall as right. well. So that's going to uh, lead so, right so into the movie. Yeah, it's gotta. Yeah, it's gotta because the movie is going to come out in May of 2026. So yeah, and and let's be honest. There's there are two reasons why they needed to make this movie. The number one is there's a lot of money to be made by moving the Mandalorian uh, from the TV series into the movie. 
Yeah. The number two thing is Pedro Pascal, the star of The Mandalorian, is a movie star now. Yeah. And they, I think they had to do it to make him happy. They had to be yeah. like, you know what? We, we, we know you've been slumming on this TV series ever since you hit it big. We'll give you a movie. You'll be a movie star for the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Well, good for them. The second big announcement, of course, is that they picked up season two of Ahsoka. Which, yes, uh, I mean, it's exciting for me, even though I haven't watched a single episode of Ahsoka yet, because I'm almost done now with Rebels with my son, because we were going to watch it together. And so, but I'm excited. It's going to be good. All right. I don't want to have a lot of time. Now we've got, we're down to the three things here. Um, Let's start off with, is Ted, the teenage, the bear is back, really? I mean, this is the thing, Ted? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, and. And I was I was misguidedly excited about this. It is it is now a Peacock series. Uh, it's about I want to say it's seven or eight episodes, and it is supposed to be a prequel to the Ted movies. Uh, this is this is seeing Ted when he and the Mark Wahlberg character uh, were in high school. Yes, the Mark Wahlberg character at 16 years old, and all the crazy antics that they get into. And you know, it, it made me realize. We've run out of material here. I mean, it was funny. I, you know, I loved the first, the first movie. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was groundbreaking. Like a foul mouth talking teddy bear. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. But like, there's no shock value left anymore. There's not a lot of originality going on here. In a way, Seth MacFarlane, who you know, is the director and creator of all this, you know, he's trying to make almost like a parody of a 1990s sitcom. And I, you know, it just feels like at times, they're leaning that way. Then there's other times where he's just leaning into we need Ted to be outrageous. So let's throw some stuff out there. Uh, I, I just don't think I don't I think it's very uneven. You know, I, I'm at like one and a half waffles right now. I, okay. I'm just not buying it. I'm yeah. just not buying it. Again, I've never seen the Ted thing to begin with. So I'm like, OK, that's a, that's a non-starter for me. That's fine. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, if you watch the first movie, that's where you stop. OK, stop at the first <laughs> movie. Watch the first one. One and done. Um, yep. mean, mean Girls in theaters. It's the movie version of the musical that was based on the movie that was based on a book that was. This, this thing won't die, man. Go ahead. No, no, this is Tina Fey. You and Tina Fey sucking this thing dry, baby. Okay, she's like, we're going to make all the money we can off of Mean Girls, and it was originally supposed to be a movie for the Paramount Plus Network. It was going to be a streaming movie, and and for some reason they saw this and they said, this is great. Let's put it into theaters. Uh, you know, that was a mistake. If you ask me, uh, you know, it, it's the same story all over again. Uh, you know, you've got and 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 Gory Rice uh, in the Lindsay Lohan role. You know, she's been homeschooled. Now she's going into the wilds of crazy high school and runs afoul of the mean girls and all that that you remember from the first movie. And, you know, I, I think the thing that really drags this down is not only is it pretty much a remake, but it's also a musical. And not a well-done musical. You know, it just feels like they 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 went okay. Let's take the movie, and now we have to insert a song here. Oh, and we have to insert a song there. And it just it feels so forced and unnatural. You know, it, it doesn't flow like the great musicals. Like the great musicals, you know, those songs become the dialogue, and we understand the characters better, and they unveil something or they advance the plot somehow. You know, Les Miserables is a great example of something like that. Right. Chicago, a great example of that. That's not what's happening here. Here it's, hey, we're going to put some musical songs together. Uh, so I'm at like one and a half waffles for Mean Ooh, Girls. Man, all the right. The movie, the musical, well, whatever they call now it. Now I'm scared to go down. Last two minutes here, I'm scared to go down to the last one because, oof. Uh, the Beekeeper, 
which is Jason Statham, which I mean, I I love Jason Statham. Just you know, sometimes yeah. you know, sometimes these movies, you know. Um, but I just watched the trailer for this last night, and I was like, "Ooh, wow, that's okay." It looks uh, darn good. Give me give me the rundown quickly here. It's Jason Statham growling and kicking booty. That's what the movie's all about. And then they make a plot to go around it to give him an excuse to kick some booty. And so, you know, here it's he's this former member of like this clandestine organization that stops criminals who are getting out of hand. And uh, he's kind of quietly retired. He's become a real beekeeper on a farm. Felicia Rashad is the owner. She's such a wonderful, lovely person. And she gets caught up in a fishing scam. And now he wants revenge. <laughs> I saw so some Jason of this. Statham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw some of this, and I was like, "He's like, here, hold this." And he, and then he throws his truck off the edge of a thing with a guy behind it. And I was just like, "Yeah, whoa!" I mean, it looks intense, and it looks like Jason Statham being Jason Statham. They could call it the Transporter Seven. I don't care. I would still yeah. go watch it. Um, what, does it work? I mean, give me. We're down to the it's last minute. Here. I mean. It, it it is outrageous. I mean, it's not the best written movie. Uh, you know, none of the characters are all that believable. They're all just cartoon characters, for the lack of a better term. Uh, you know, and Jason Statham's gonna have his one-liners, and he's gonna kick some butt. And like you said, he's gonna have some action scenes that are pretty cool. It's a two waffle movie. It's good enough for me. I, it satisfies my need. to so, See a little bit of action. Break out the milk duds and the popcorn. That's the kind of movie it is. That's. That's, yep. that's my favorite kind, actually. I like that. All right. Well, Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Thank you, my friend. I will uh, see you next week. Thanks for coming on board. All right. Talk Fol- to you then. Folks, out of time. We'll see you Monday. Sarah Montalbano, JC, JD, JD to Chili. See you then. They got some actors in this thing, though. Jeremy Irons plays the bad guy. Um, and, oh, he just does. He does that elegant well, bad guy so well. And, and he's fantastic. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, hey, even Jeremy Irons has, has houses to buy right. and cars to buy. He's got bills, bills to, pay. to pay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't expect to see, you don't see a Jason Statham movie because it's the next Citizen Kane or Metropolis or something. You know, it's just, it is what it is. But as long as it's good, clean entertainment, I'm all down with it. And he, I mean, I watched a two minute trailer and I was like, oh, that was a lot of violence. I love that. What? Show me more, you know, kind of thing. You know, the thing I like about Jason Statham is he knows who he is at this point. And, 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 you know, every once in a while he'll do something a little bit offbeat. You know, we were talking a lot uh, last time about the bank job, which I love, which is kind of more of an offbeat uh, movie for him. I think it's fantastic. You'll see him. You'll see him show up in a comedy every once in a while. Works really well. You know, hey, the man knows that he's, you know, he's the poor man's Tom Cruise. Let's be honest. He's just he's just a really good action star and he knows it. And he's going to take those roles and he's going to make his money. And every once in a while, they'll call up somebody like Jeremy Irons and Jeremy Irons is like, well, after I make my Oscar bait movie that five people will watch, I'll gladly take a big check to be in the next yeah, Jason Statham exactly. movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. That's just in theaters, though, so I guess uh, I'll have Just to... in theaters. I have a feeling it'll be available pretty quickly in streaming. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, my friend, thanks so much. Next week, we will see you back here. Same time, same channel. Whole deal, right? Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about the ISS. 
the International Space Station. I'm actually interested in this because this is about a battle that wages over the ISS, which... Yes, very interesting idea. I it is. And it's, I actually am just listening to a book that actually did something just like this. It was written about 20 years ago, but it it's in, it's fascinating. I can't wait to see what it's all about. All right, Willie Waffle, thank you, my friend. Folks, we'll see you on Monday. Again, Sarah Montalbano and JD2 Chili. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show